Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. You see, when we go to the Word and we go to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is where we truly find comfort. And when we find comfort there, the beauty of this is, is that God can meet that need better than any human, better than any circumstance. Think about the blindness of this guy's been blind his whole life, never known anything but blindness. And God's wanting to reveal himself to this guy. Not only that he might see, but that he might see spiritually. That he might have sight. That he might have life. That he might know the light of this life, Jesus Christ. Jesus seems to really reveal some wonderful things about true ministry in this situation as he compassionately reaches out to this guy. Walking past, he passed by him and saw this man. And we've talked about, well, there's got to be other people he's come across. Why this guy? Why not somebody else? Well, there's a sovereignty issue here, isn't there? God knows who and what he wants to do with whom and how he wants to do it and how he wants to reveal himself. And we don't need to worry about all those things. God's going to do the right thing in the right situation. So, when he had said these things, after Jesus has said these things to his disciples, answering their question about who really sinned and what's really the issue here, one, there's a human need, isn't there? And the human need caused opportunity. Human suffering does and oftentimes will lead to opportunity for ministry. Human suffering does and most often leads to opportunity for ministry. That's, just, that's what Jesus is teaching us here. I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad when someone's you know, deathly ill in the hospital and the family's struggling and a bunch of the family members there aren't believers. I don't feel bad saying, hey, you know what? Let's pray. I believe Jesus can help us through this and can have an impact on this situation. Let's pray. I have no problem with that. I don't think we should have a problem with that as Christians because that is opportunity to import Jesus Christ into a situation that allows for opportunity for his light to shine in an otherwise dark circumstance. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, many times, those are the times that opportunity is there for us to reveal the love of God in the midst of difficulty, trial, and struggle, and even in human suffering. Now, I'm not saying we need to do anything other than just what I said, that we aspire to try and meet the need 
I remember being in Thailand. I'm walking down the beach. I come across this. Uh, this is right after the tsunami had hit, within a week or so, a week and a half of when the tsunami had hit there. Walking down the beach, and I remember this one uh, gal coming up. She had one little boy with her, and she comes up to us, and she starts talking to us. We had an interpreter with us, and she starts explaining to us what happened. You know, she's been walking the beaches since the tsunami and just trying to find her other child. You know, all I could do was listen, give her some water, and pray with her. You say, well, that seems pretty empty. What else can you do? But at least it brings some light in the situation. It brings some hope in Jesus. She couldn't hang on to the other one. She was able to hang on to the one and the guilt and all of that. All you could do is just say, hey, God knows. God loves you. And have compassion on the lost situation and the suffering that's there. But I'm not going to not share the love of God in that. And that God could comfort. You see, you and I, if we keep building up our walls of insulation all around us so that we never have a problem in our minds, because we do, but just in our minds, we build up the walls of insulation all around so that we don't you know, get out of our comfort zone and struggle or go through any kind of trial or struggle. If we keep building those up, what ends up happening is when we come across difficulty, which we will, which we do, when we come across difficulty, what do we have? We don't have much. But man, when we've hurt and when we go through suffering, we go through deep trial and deep struggle and we see how Jesus has reached out and touched and met our need. We can, with that comfort that we receive, respond to others. That's the impact of this type of thought. Now, Jesus, in verse 6, as we carry on here, after he has said these things, he spit on the ground. I want to give it impact. And made clay. Now, I did that for a reason, because that's the only thing that the The blind guy, he can't see what's going on. Hey, he can't see what's going on. There's just this kind of people around him. He can hear all the people around him. There's people talking, and then he hears this noise, and then all of a sudden, there's this, Jesus spit on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Here's the mud in your eye, huh? Now, think about this, though. Think about this. That is pretty irritating. How many of you got, get dirt in your eye or dust in your eyes? Or, you know, some of us know what that's like. It's really, you know, I've been on a lot of job sites that, you know, come October, it gets pretty dusty and not much rain. And, you know, we're just having, it just gets super, super dusty. All the time you're getting dirt in your eyes. And it's, it's just, it's very irritating. But Jesus spits, he makes this thing. Now, think of what he took. Just dirt off the ground and spit. I don't know. I No matter what kind of things that people are thinking, because there were those that thought spit had medicinal purposes in their day and age. Certainly we know better today. But anyhow, this concept, though, that it had some medicinal purpose, but just think about that. Jesus took one of the most base things, didn't he? And then just dirt off the ground and made some kind of little clay ball thing. And then puts it on, anoints it, puts it on his eyes, kind of rubs it into his eyes. 
Now, one, you're blind. you don't even see this coming. Are you with me what's going on? This guy doesn't even know really what's happening to him. Kind of hears the commotion. This is happening. He hears kind of the things that are said. This stuff gets made. And now his eyes are probably getting, starting to get pretty irritated. He can feel all that. And Jesus says to him, verse 7, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Now this is, you know, maybe, I think approximately like 700 yards away. Now, A, He's blind. And his instructions are go. He's, he's, he's irritated now. His eyes are, he's irritated. What about your circumstance? What about sometimes what God allows in your life, in my life, to be a source of irritation that God might want to use to help give you the opportunity to see something in a different light? Think about that. Jesus uses such wonderful practicality, doesn't he, to minister to us even today a couple of thousand years later. Man, just such a basic thing. He spits, he makes this stuff, kind of this mud and puts it in the guy's eyes. Now go wash about 700 yards down the road. So he went and washed. Look at what happened. He came back seeing. One, I love this was that he went by faith and did what Jesus said. Even though that's got to be, I guess you'd have to say, find a friend or something that's going to help get you down there. I, I don't know. But have you ever thought about yourself? Maybe you're a friend that's going to help somebody get to the pool of Siloam. I, it, it, there's a lot to think about in this illustration-wise. That we have an opportunity to help lead other people along and bring them along. He went down, he washed. By faith, he did those things. The other thing I like about this kind of situation is how many times you and I come across a circumstance, a situation that we see where there's a need and we're so obsessed with ourselves and our own selfishness and whatever it is that we're all about that day that we miss the opportunity to help somebody else out. And man, I don't want to miss too many of those opportunities. Those are God moments that God might have a great plan in it. And you know, sometimes we miss them because we're just too bummed out about our own circumstances. We're too bummed about us and what's happening with us. Too depressed by our own situation. Great thought on that. Twelve ways to end depression. Twelve ways that you can end depression in your life. The first one, go find someone in need and help them. Go find someone in need and help them. Number two, do that 11 more times. You know, have you ever found that when you start to do something for someone else, all of a sudden it gets off of you, and all of a sudden your problem, your depression, your bummed out stuff isn't quite as big a deal. Especially when you see sometimes the need of someone else. 
how our world needs to see Jesus revealed in that way, don't you think? How our neighborhoods, how our city needs to see, our metropolitan area, our country needs to see, our world needs to see that kind of love being revealed. Man, Jesus is showing a lot of things to his disciples in this situation, isn't he? So he tells him, go down to the pool called Sent. You remember Jesus was sent to be the light of the world. He's sending that guy down. This guy comes back seeing now. You can imagine how excited he is. Therefore, the neighbors and those previously, who, who previously had seen that he was blind said, is this not he who sat and begged? Dude, isn't this the guy that used to be the beggar over there? You can imagine. Literally, this guy's hippity-skippity. Literally. You, can you imagine? You know what it's like when you're really feeling sick and you're just not doing well and you're down for the count for a while. Then all of a sudden you start feeling better. It, you just, it's just great. Well, can you imagine this guy? I mean, you, we know. I love this time of year because you'll start looking around. There is no, the forsythia, for example, there is no brighter yellow in early April, late March, than the forsythia. You know, it just lights up, man. It's so beautiful and vibrant. The red buds are beautiful. I mean, we just start seeing all, all, and the green and the green grass. There is no more wonderful green than those first greens of the grass in spring. And we know that because we see it all go dormant. We see the brown, dead trees, and then all of a sudden, bam! You know, it's like, we just noticed it the other day. It's like, all of a sudden, it's just leaves. You know, it's green again. Yay! You know? But uh, can you imagine never having seen color or anything before, and all of a sudden, you know? Dude, I thought you looked a lot different than you look. You know? Can you imagine what was in your mind's eye? What a wild experience. Do you know, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that's what happens to us spiritually. It's like the lights come on. It's like, wow. So that's what this was all about. So all that time, when I was sitting on those hard pews at the United Methodist Church in Southern California, when I was sitting there as a little kid, all those times, that's what amazing grace means? That's what blind and now I see. That's what that means? How great thou art. I hear the rolling thunder and consider all the worlds I hands have made. You look at the universe and you're like, oh, so that's what that meant? It's like the light, you know? New vibrancy, new excitement. This guy comes back, he's seen. The people around, they're just kind of, wondering, Wait, isn't, is this not the guy who sat and begged? And some said, eh, yep, that's him. Others said, sure, looks like him. You know, you got the skeptics. Yeah, I don't know, you know, it looks like that's him. It doesn't say that he changed his clothes or anything. You'd think they'd recognize him, but maybe they all wore the same clothes. I, I don't know. He said, I love the guy's response. No, it's me. I'm me. It's me. I am 
the beggar. I'm the guy that couldn't see. It's me. Do you realize that's our report to everybody we come in contact with? Getting the opportunity to share with all these, there was at least half my class were there, so it was four or 500 people that made it to our 30-year reunion. And I remember seeing everybody, that's what I felt like. No, dude, it's me. It's just a new and improved version. It's not the old me, it's the new me. I'm not the same person, really. And, and that's really what this guy, yeah, no, it's me. I'm he. Therefore, they said to him, and I like this, and isn't this what the world does? And isn't this important for us? So give me this big theological or explanation or tell me how, how were your eyes opened? How? How were your eyes opened? You know, the real question, isn't it, who opened your eyes? But how? That's, that's our analytical, that's our mindset, trying to figure out how. Figure it out. How did this happen? And really, the best thing that we can say is, boy, just what he says. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, now, it is interesting, isn't it? He couldn't say how it happened. Why? He, didn't, he couldn't see. He, he heard noises and stuff, but he couldn't see. He doesn't know how it happened. Brothers and sisters, you don't know, and I don't know how it happened. Not really, but I guarantee you, in the realm of the Spirit, a transaction is made. As we surrender and give our lives to Jesus Christ, a spiritual, significant, monumentous, for all time and eternity, transaction takes place. As you and I surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, something in the realm of the Spirit, unique, special, and extremely significant, happened the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and your name got written and inserted in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is a glorious, wonderful, marvelous day when our names were inserted in the Lamb's book of life, when any name is inserted there. We can't say exactly how. We can go through and say, well, we know that Jesus died for our sins and we receive him as our Lord and Savior. But we really, man, this is in the mind and the heart of God, isn't it? How did that really happen? We're asked to believe by faith and to know, to know, to know by experience the love of God and the transformation that takes place in our lives on a regular basis as we give our lives over to Jesus each and every day. He couldn't say how it happened. Well, you see, I was standing there and Jesus spit in the ground and he makes us, he can't say that. He said, he stuck some clay in my eyes, made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. It's that simple, isn't it? I prayed this prayer. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I'm born again. I'm a new person. I don't see things the same way I used to see things. He says something interesting says something very interesting 
in his concluding thoughts in verse 12. Then they said to him, where is he? Where is he? And he said, I do not know. And I think it's a fair statement. I think it's a fair thought. I think, though, that it could be something that speaks of sometimes the way, the way we can go. That we can get in this point where we can just kind of lose sight of who Jesus is. And that's, that happens along the journey sometimes. I think one of the things that's the danger for the believer who's been a believer for any length of time at all is that we can lose sight of our own past blindness. That over time, we can lose sight over the fact that we were also once spiritually blind. Therefore, lose the ability to stay connected and to minister and to share that same kind of compassionate heart that we see Jesus displaying here. Even though I know it oozes out from time to time, sometimes more regularly than others, the things that God has done in our hearts, in our lives, I know I, I, I never grow tired, personally, of sharing about what Jesus did in delivering me from my old sin nature. And I never grow tired of, of, of talking about or sharing the conversion process and God's heart and His love and that that's for everybody. And that you and I are just, each of us are just a little sample of the anybody's and everybody's of this whole world. And that we have that opportunity. But in time, as time goes by, sometimes we can lose sight and can become blinded and forget that we were once very blind. We were this guy. And Jesus came by one day, seeing our need. You know, Jesus sought you out. He searches to and fro across the face of this earth, looking for just one person whose heart is for him. He loves you with a perfect love, and he wants to continue to minister in and through your life. Don't lose sight of Jesus. It's not all about the hows everything happens. It's about who it is that we are intricately to be connected to. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts and there's a, a, a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith. And maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. 
You know, many make fun of of Jesus' second coming, that they're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it, kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world. But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else, turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you can be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains, or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.